The Leach Report Radio Network is on the air across Kentucky with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is your chance to get the latest news and views on your caps. The show is served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. And you can interact with Tom by tweeting at Leach Report or by emailing leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call the drinksword.com hotline, 877-904-1080. Now, here's Tom Leach. Welcome in to our Tuesday edition of the Leach Report, coming to you from the Clark's Pump and Shop studio here in Lexington. And today we'll... Talk Kentucky basketball after another easy win for the Cats last night at Rupp Arena, 85-57 over Central Michigan. Uh, We'll talk Kentucky football, obviously, as well. So uh, lots to uh, get through today, and we'll do that with John Hale from the CJ Career Journal, Larry Vaught from Vaughtsviews.com, and Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. Uh, tonight's the next edition of the unveiling of the playoff committee rankings. So we'll talk with Tony about the college football landscape, the coaching carousel, all of that coming up on today's edition of the Leach Report. Wildcat News of the Day brought to you by Giuseppe's of Lexington. And we will start with the Wildcats' big win over Central Michigan, 85-57. This one was over almost from the start. I think Central Michigan hit a three to go up three to two and Kentucky answered and never looked back Two sixteen zero runs in the first half and Kentucky was really sharp from the get-go uh, particularly on on the defensive end um, very uh, aggressive uh, several steals um, and this was not by accident uh, Jay Lucas assistant coach came out and talked with us on the post game and said it was a big point of emphasis for Coach Cal because the team had been starting slowly. So they responded and built up a big halftime lead and just cruised home. Kind of a so-so second half, didn't shoot it well, but um, hard to keep the uh, gas running at that high a level as they did in the first half for the entire 40 minutes in a game like that. Oscar Shibway had a another double-double. Uh, he's had six of them now. Seven double-figure rebounding games after going for 20 points and 16 boards last night. Ty Ty Washington had 15 points, continues to shoot it very well after a, a slow start up at the Garden. He just kind of glides through the game. Um, you don't really notice that he's scoring a lot of points, and then you look down and he has you know 12 or 15 or 18 and uh, I think he is uh, starting to find his groove. Davian Mintz uh, still did not uh, play. He's uh, been battling an illness. Uh, but otherwise, everybody played. Now, uh, that was a question mark coming into the game because if you heard the pregame show, Cal said that Keon Brooks had been sick. Uh, of course, he had missed the previous game. And that uh, Keon was able to, to go through practice but was far from full strength and uh, yeah, and. At the time we did the pregame at uh, shoot-around, a few hours before tip-off, uh, Damian Collins was a question mark because he wasn't feeling well, but he was able to play. Um, Cal said uh, Bryce Hopkins has uh, been battling a little bit of a back issue, but Hopkins played. You know that uh, Toppin and Ware are still getting over their injuries, shoulder and ankle respectively. So bottom line is Cal Perry 
are uh, quite happy to have a little bit of a break now between games. Kentucky won't play again until a week from tonight when uh, Sean Woods and Southern University come into Rupp Arena. So it'll be a little time to uh, heal, like kind of like an open date in football for the Wildcats over the next few days. Tony Barbie, a coach at Central Michigan, of course, is the former Calipari player and a longtime assistant coach here in Lexington. And Tony was asked to compare Kentucky and Gonzaga since uh, his team had recently played the Zags. He said they're 100% Kentucky is on Gonzaga's level. Uh, he said Oscar Sheboy is a coach's dream because he impacts the game without needing the ball. On to football, LSU hired Brian Kelly. A little bit of a surprise that had not been in the rumor mill, but they had to act quickly down at LSU after losing out in the Lincoln-Riley Derby when he went to Southern Cal. So LSU lures Brian Kelly away from Notre Dame. Immediately, speculation started about Luke Fickle, the Cincinnati coach, going to Notre Dame because the thought's always been, you know, he's a Midwestern guy, doesn't want to leave those those roots, and uh, it'll take a job you know, another job in in that part of the country to lure him away from Cincinnati. Will this be it? Um, Mark Stoops, there was a picture posted on Twitter. I think he and Brad White getting off a a plane somewhere. Uh, I think Stoops uh, was in, uh, the report was in three different states yesterday. I think he had told me uh, last week he was going to be in like three or four states uh, each of the first couple of days of this week, hitting the recruiting trail hard. He uh, will join us uh, for a, maybe a segment on the coaches show tonight because uh, he is out recruiting and then uh, will levis and jacques jones are going to be guests on the show as well so stoops at uh, six eastern cal at seven on the uk sports network tonight pro football focus has named several wildcats to their all sec teams darian Kennard, wandale robinson named first team all conference uh, luke fortner Josh Pascal and Josh Ali as a punt returner on the second team, and then Ali on the third team as a wide receiver, along with Rosenthal and Horsey in the O-line, Corker in the secondary, and Seerod on that third team as well. Darian Kennard named SEC Offensive Lineman of the Week. Will Levis named one of the Stars of the Week by the Manning Award. Links to the stories that we talk about can be found on the Bud Light Leach Report page. That's at TomLeachKY.com. John Hale from the Courier-Journal will join us when we come right back. Our news of the day in the Wildcat world presented by Giuseppe's of Lexington. And they have gift cards right now that you could get very easily. They'll mail them out to you, or you can just swing by their drive-up window, pick up gift cards for those hard-to-buy-for folks on your Christmas list, and they will love a gift card from Giuseppe's. Great way to uh, take care of some of your Christmas shopping. Easy peasy at Giuseppe'sLexington.com. We'll be right back. You're tuned to Talk Radio 1080 and The Leach Report. And visit TomLeachKY.com for more news and views on the cats. 16 past the top of the hour. John Hale joins us from Courier-Journal.com to uh, talk UK sports. And we'll start with the basketball team. And a big win last night over Central Michigan, 85-57. So, uh, Cal has referred to these games as tune-up games. Um, how much tuning up do you think uh, they've been able to do, given that they have had people coming in and out of the injured or sick list? Yeah, I think that that's a, a good question. I mean, um, I do think that there is has been some benefit with those injuries and illness to make sure that you know everybody has gotten an opportunity, as Cal said last night. Nobody's going to be able to 
to go into this and say that somebody hasn't played enough. It's funny. I was I was looking at it for a story this morning. Seven games into last season was really the high point of the why is Dante Allen not playing more? They had just lost to Louisville. He hadn't played at all. Game number eight is when he came in and you know had the huge game against Mississippi State. Obviously, he's gotten his opportunity right now in the last three games with Davion Mintz out. So, you know, he's a guy who's gotten to play. Bryce Hopkins has gotten to play. Damian Collins has gotten to play. So I think that has helped them in these situations. But there's also the question of, are they going to get the full strength right as soon as the, the strength of schedule, the difficulty goes back up? And how are those guys going to play with each other who haven't, you know, played together for weeks? I think that's a fair concern as well. So, um, I think they've they've gotten some good things out of these tune-up games, but I do think that everybody in that locker room and outside of it is ready to see them tested against a better team again. Yeah, I, I would imagine the uh, the players get a little bored sometimes with it, uh, and it maybe had gotten to that point Friday because uh, they they just seemed to kind of go through the motions there, and then uh, uh, Jay Lucas told us afterward that. Getting a fast start was a big point of emphasis in this game for Calipari, and they certainly did that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that first half was as dominant a performance as we've seen in several years. Uh, they only won the second half by two, so I think that there was certainly some of that yesterday. It's, it's very difficult to you know, stay motivated against this kind of opponent when you're up as big as they were in the first half. But you know, I'm sure that that gives Cal some teaching moments that he's going to show on film over the next few days as they you know, use some much-needed time to get some guys healthy in rehab or the doctor's office, whatever it might be right now. But uh, it does seem like the players, and even the ones we talked to after the game last night, basically admitted that, that they're ready to play a real team, too. I know there was some speculation uh, among fans and, and pundits. Would or Could it be that the rotation that gets talked about so much could change from game to game? And uh, Calipari was saying in his comments last night that uh, he can see that happening. Yeah, I think in the front court it's especially going to be that. I mean, what we know so far is that Oscar Sheboy is going to play as much as he possibly can against good teams. Xavier Wheeler and Ty Ty Washington are going to play as much as they can against good teams. But I think those other two spots are really in flux. There are going to be nights where Kellen Grady plays like he did at Davidson and it's their best score, but we've seen plenty of games too where opponents have been able to take him out so there was uh, I forget which game it was but maybe Ohio when he did not play very well and Davion Mintz played a ton of minutes in the second half there will be games like that there will be games where Kellen plays a lot and that four spot I think is going to be in flux all year Keon Brooks really took off and ran before he had his illness and then you know last night I think he was limited just conditioning wise but we've seen glimpses from Damian Collins we've seen glimpses from Jacob Toppin those guys are going to play but I think who plays the most at that spot will probably vary game by game yeah, I think the uh, the versatility that Calipari will have may end up being one of the real strengths of, of this team. That you know they could in a given game you know they could use Hopkins at the four, for example, and be a little smaller, but um, more versatile defensively. Or they could you know have a bring in a shot blocker like Collins at the four. So um, it just kind of gives gives you an added challenge of uh, which chess pieces to move where on a given night. Yeah, Hopkins is the really interesting guy for me too because. It felt like, especially for the first, you know, three or four games, that they really wanted him to play on the wing as the three. But I think since that Ohio game when he was, you know, so effective when Sheboy was in foul trouble, uh, there seems to be this kind of dying realization that maybe right now his best skill set for this team is to play in the post. And, you know, I think he's probably the second most physical player on the roster behind Sheboy. And so 
uh, if they need that kind of low post presence. He did that a lot in high school. He's, you know, capable of getting down there and, and you know, banging around with bigger players than him. Uh, so I think that might be a path for him to get more minutes than, than maybe what he's shown so far. Let's shift to uh, football. What's your uh, guess on where Kentucky's bowl destination will be? I feel like the they're going to end up in one of the two Florida Bowls, either Citrus or Outback. Um, the chances, all the projections right now are trending toward the Citrus, but I do still wonder if maybe uh, they'll pick either Arkansas or Texas A&M because those teams have been, uh, I think Arkansas hasn't played there since 2006, and A&M's never played there. I remember when Kentucky did play in the Citrus Bowl in 2018, one of the points their CEO made to me was how exciting it was to have a team that hadn't played there ever and, and have a fan base that was excited. So I, I wonder if maybe they won't get the edge there, but I have a hard time seeing them fall past the Outback Bowl now. Um, there's an argument that in both A&M and Arkansas might be ahead of them because of their strength of schedule and, and the dif- difference in playing in the West versus the East. Uh, but I do think the Outback Bowl has been interested in Kentucky for several years, uh, so it feels like this is the right time for that you know matching to happen if they do get passed over by the Citrus. Yeah. I personally, you've covered this a long time. I don't think any of the bowls care one whit what their strength of schedule is. They're just interested in fans and TV ratings and the matchup. Yeah, I think that that's a huge part of it, the matchup and, and what's going to look best. I mean, Kentucky versus Iowa in the Citrus Bowl would be very interesting, obviously, because of Mark Stoops' ties to that program. Um, you could also make the argument that maybe Arkansas is a team that will sell a bunch of tickets this year because it's the first bowl under Sam Pittman's you know tenure and they're excited and on the upswing. But we know that Kentucky fans are going to travel, especially if they have the opportunity to go to Florida on New Year's Eve. Um, I think that there will be a very attractive uh, destination for either of those games. Uh, what do you make of the uh, the coaching rumor mill and uh, Mark Stoops' uh, name in it? Now, I guess we're down to... Oklahoma. I don't I haven't heard much about his name popping up with Notre Dame. So Oklahoma's the last one left at the moment, right? Yeah, that's what it feels like. Uh, it seems like Kentucky has probably dodged a bullet here. Um, I, I do think that you know Mitch Barnhart will probably make some investments. I, I think Mark's salary is is fine at the moment. He's already paid fifteenth in the country in salary, and the way his contract's built up uh, with the incentives for each win starting at number nine, they pay him like a top 10 coach when they have a a nine or 10 win season. But I do think the areas for improvement are the indoor facility, the indoor field that he's talked about for so long, the recruiting budget and, and staff pool salary, because they're going to have, they're going to face a fight to keep the staff intact this year, I think. And so those areas I think would, would help in keeping Mark around, but these big jobs that come open, it would be hard for anybody to turn them down. I don't think that Oklahoma's a great fit for him just because, you know, you remember how much when he first got here, he, he seemed to bristle a little bit at the questions about, you know, his older brother and living in that shadow a little bit. So I, I don't think he would love the idea of going there and having Bob over his shadow or over his shoulder all the time. Uh, but you know, who, who knows? Maybe, uh, Notre Dame seems like a really good fit, but you've got to imagine that Luke Fickle and some other guys are, are top on their list. So that, that doesn't seem like a, a super realistic threat right now. The one that still hangs out there for me is Iowa. Um, you know, if Kirk Ferentz decides to retire right off into the sunset, what happens there? But there's no indication that's happening right now. So it does feel like Kentucky has, has dodged a bullet in this cycle. And now if you make those investments, you have a real opportunity to seize that momentum and, and close out maybe his best recruiting class yet. 
if what happened, what I think is going to happen happens, then uh, I think that bullet probably comes back uh, again next year uh, because I, I think they're going to be really good offensively and start to, uh, you know, be uh, even more uh, appealing. I mean, they got to the balance that he wanted this year, but there's still that perception that, you know, he's a conservative, you know, grind it out kind of guy. And, you know, they're bringing in these receivers, and if Levis is back and Cohen's back, I think they're going to. Uh, put up some big numbers offensively, and then that makes him even more appealing. So, Ains Bish better get used to hearing that name uh, thrown out there a lot. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that Mark would be really good at some of these jobs, just because with more talent, he would be you know a little less conservative than he's been here. I mean, he's run a strategy uh, because he knew what their limitations were, and I think if if he had more depth, especially, he would be more willing to do some of those things. But we've already seen it at Kentucky, like you said. I mean, in the offense was much better this year than it was a year ago and if will levis does come back which i think is most likely but i don't think it's a done deal yet uh they'll be in a really good spot especially if they can add another transfer receiver and and then that's just going to make them even more enticing to, to these big jobs that open next year and with conference rear alignment that seems to be the x factor out there that's leading to all this crazy shakeup. so i don't think it's going away so next year there will be big job open too you can read John Hale's coverage at courier-journal.com at John Hale underscore CJ on Twitter. Thank you. Thanks for having me. 26 past the top of the hour. Larry Vaught next up. Tony Barnhart a little later. It's the Leach Report served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington in Palomar, where we were yesterday with Freddie Maggard, and in Hamburg. And uh, they have a fantastic breakfast, brunch, or lunch. And you can get Wild Eggs gift cards for the holidays, too, at wildeggs.com. We'll be right back. Look for the Leach Report on Facebook. Show updates, contests, and other cool stuff. Check it out today. Just a short segment here, so we'll hook up with Larry Vaught uh, coming out of the bottom of the hour break. Uh, some birthdays that we missed uh, yesterday. Uh, Nick Richards, Julius Randle, celebrated birthdays yesterday. Jamal Mashburn as well. And today, a big old happy birthday to Coach Joe B. Hall. 93, I believe it is, today. Um, saw uh, the uh, Committee of 101 guys, the guys and ladies in the blue coats that worked the U.K. games. Uh, they had a, a big birthday card that uh, their members had all signed that they are planning to take to Coach Hall today so i uh, hope it's a very happy birthday for coach joe b hall and uh, we are coming up on the bottom of the hour we will be right back with larry vaughn on the leech report this is where the big blue nation gathers it's talk radio 1080 and the leech report followed by kentucky sports radio From the Clark's Papa Shop studio, it's the second half of our show as we welcome in Larry Vaught to the program from Vaughtsviews.com. And uh, if you follow him on Twitter at Vaughtsviews, you know a dedicated listener just asked if she should listen to you on this show or watch Kathy Lee Gifford on the Today Show. And you recommended Kathy Lee. You know she's going to listen to you. Uh, I, I could never recommend anybody listen to me or change to listen to Kathy Lee. That's pretty, she, she was one of my favorites for, or has been for a long, long time, Tom. <laughs> uh, Larry Vaught uh, is uh, covered UK sports for uh, 
a long time, so you've seen a lot of these uh, coaching carousel things going on. Uh, do you think Kentucky fans have anything to worry about with Mark Stoops? Uh, no, but I haven't from the beginning based in a large part of what the parents of several different re- recruits told me about their conversations with Mark Stoops and what he told them. And I think one thing I've learned about Mark over the years is that he's a pretty honest, blunt fella, and I don't think he would mislead uh, parents of recruits or recruits. And, I'll, and based on the things they told me that he told them, I felt pretty good that he was going to be here at, at Kentucky as long as Mitch Barnhart did what he thought he would do, and apparently Mitch is taking care of all that, or going to take care of all that. Yeah, he the thing with uh, Stoops and his staff, it's been a you know a methodical build, just getting steadily better with their recruiting and the culture that he talked about building when he came here, to the point where you know it's in a better spot than uh, Kentucky's been in in a long, long time, and you know they're poised to to reap the benefits of that. Uh, absolutely, and I think the, the the biggest thing to me, all you have to do is look at Mark Stoops, is to know that Kentucky can go nine and three and people be disappointed. I mean, I don't think I'm sure. I'm not sure. I thought there would ever be a time that that could be the case, Tom. But that that to me says as much about what he's done for the program and what people think he can continue doing as anything. Yeah, the. Um bowl game is next and uh do you think it's citrus or outback or something else i think from what i've been told i think it's going to be outback simply because the kentucky hadn't been to the outback bowl for a while the kentucky's got a pretty good connection out the at the outback bowl and from what i've been told the outback bowl has made it really clear that they are all in on kentucky and i think things work out that way then the outback bowl will be able to get kentucky and i think that's i think that's a good thing i mean it's nice either the citrus or the outback can't go wrong either way but i think it's going to be outback the uh citrus bowl is a a little higher uh slightly in the in the pecking order there i guess they get to to choose their team and then in the outbacks in the next tier of of bowls but in terms of just the the experience I think it's uh, you know, certainly a, a toss-up, and you're, uh, I think one of them starts at noon uh, on uh, New Year's Day, and the other one's at one, uh, and it's a Big Ten team either way. Yeah, so uh, I think it, it, it's six one half does of the other if you're a, a Kentucky player, and just knowing that the he hadn't been to the Outback Bowl since 1998, and other bowls like to have different teams come. Kentucky was at the Citrus Bowl a few years ago, so. I, I, I would look if I was making plans. I'd, I'd be looking at Outback Bowl myself. I think there'll be a, a great turnout, whichever one it, it would be, especially as long as it's you know a bowl in, in Florida for New Year's Day. Because um, I think the way that Kentucky handled Louisville on Saturday took a lot of sting out of the the Tennessee loss, right? Yeah, I, I think so too. And the, the offense seems cranked back up, and I suddenly think that Will Levis and what. Five months, six months in the state of Kentucky has become one of the most popular UK football players ever. I think fans have really, really liked him, and 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 Wondell Robinson. I think he's become a fan favorite. And I think there's just a lot of things about this team to like, and and a chance to go to Florida for New Year's Day. I think that appeals to a lot of fans. So I think it'll be a huge 
contingent of Kentucky fans will, will be at the game. Any guess on which guys uh, return that are in the speculation on the speculation list for the NFL? Uh, I mean, it would just it would just be a guess, but from things I've been told, observed, and seen, it wouldn't surprise me if they're all back. Wow, that would be uh, that would be incredible. Um, yeah, I think I think Wandale's the one you would obviously wonder the most about, and if he gets that high grade that he wants, then you certainly understand why he would go. But I think even the fact that he understands he needs to get a certain level of projection, or he's or he's going to stay, tells me that he's going to be pretty open minded about his decision. And I, I thought that Chris Rodriguez would probably go, but some people that I know who know him. Pretty well says that may not be the case. He may go ahead and and, and just go ahead and stay in another year and finish finish everything up at Kentucky. And, and if that happens, that's really really great. Indeed, it is. Let's um, shift to basketball. You've got a story at vaultsviews dot com where you caught up to I think it's the high school coach of Ty Ty Washington. Well, he was actually the, the middle school coach, middle school coach, uh, Tylon Wilson, who. who uh, has known Ty and his family for, for for quite a while, and talked about the, how how good Ty was uh, from from the time that he saw him that he was so good that when he was just in middle school that he started him in a in a summer uh, high school game with the team that he was coaching. Then, but he also coached uh, Ty Ty's father and talked about the time that he played. He was the best point guard in the state of Arizona. And also about what a really, really good player that his mother was and how he just has it in his genes or in his blood to be a terrific basketball player and always has been. And it's really a fun read with Tylon Wilson. If you have, if for a Kentucky fan, wants a little bit more about Ty Ty, I would say it's a good chance to go and get a little perspective from somebody we hadn't heard from before. He is uh, a guy, we were talking about this with Jay Lucas uh, last night in the post game. Ty Ty has a, a kind of a of a quiet game, if that's maybe the uh, a good word to describe it, just uh, gets a lot done, um, and sometimes you you tend to overlook it a little bit. Yeah, and I think last night was a was a perfect example of that, and and that's also why I was surprised in the, in the Duke game when John Calipari was talking after the game about how he was pushing Ty Ty to shoot, shoot, score, and attack. And, and do that the way that he was because that normally it's not been Ty Ty's game for what anybody that's been around him has, has, has told me that he's the guy that always just kind of lets things come to him and the flow of the game that controls the pace. And I think we've seen him settle more into that role and John let him settle more into that role. And that's made him better and going to make Kentucky a lot better going forward too, I think. And also I think that him and Wheeler are really making a good connection together and learning how to play together. And, and that's that's a pretty dynamic duo in, in their own way out there running that team for you. Yeah, I mean, you, you look ahead, think of how this team could, could grow toward uh, the tournament in March. Guard, you know, have great guard play is, is usually um, a, a tremendous asset in that tournament. And so they're going to have that. And then they're... Uh, Good chance they're going to win the rebounding battle every night, it looks like, with the way it's going. 
Yeah, I mean, Oscar's just been fabulous, and he just gets a little bit of help. <laughs> They're pretty strong on the boards. And, and I know last night after the, the game that I, I'm glad John Calipari finally has come around to my way of thinking. But if, uh, several weeks ago, I asked him about his playing rotation. He said he wanted to get you know, to the seven or eight players, and, and I'd ask him if, if he didn't think it might be different from game to game. And he told me no, because that would mean he had players that were being – inconsistent and he couldn't count on them from game to game well after the game last night in his press conference he talked about that he's seven or eight might be different from game to game depending on who's playing well or what he needs and i think with the depth and versatility he has on this team that that makes sense to me there's going to be some games that some guys just match up better and he can you know maybe play a guy 25 minutes one game the next minute he may not play but eight but to me that makes sense for the talent he's got on this team the different things that so many guys can do. Yeah, I think that may ultimately be one of the biggest strengths of this team is the ability to play different matchups because of the the types of personnel that he could put out there. Yeah, I, I think so too, and, and and that could make Kentucky very unique for most teams because especially when you get to tournament play, you could play teams that are vastly different and from one round to the next. And most teams just have to go with what they've got. You just have to match up with them the best you can. Well, John can tinker with his personnel and match up the way that he wants to, and that, that's a real luxury for a coach to have. At VaughtsViews.com, VaughtsViews.com on the uh, on the web, and at VaughtsViews on Twitter. Thank you, Larry. All right, Tom. Larry, of course, also on with uh, Jack Pilgrim and Anthony White on our Sunday morning sports talk show here in the Lexington market on uh, Sundays from 9 to noon Eastern time. We'll be right back with Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart. It is the Leach Report. We are served up by Wild Eggs of Lexington. This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. Welcome back into our Tuesday show. We bring into the program Mr. College Football, Tony Barnhart on Twitter. It is at Mr. CFB. We'll uh, start with the um, playoffs and uh, the. Final rankings will come Sunday with all the bowl matchups, uh, Tony, after the conference title games are played Saturday. Do you think Cincinnati is safe as long as it wins on Saturday to be in the top four? I do, Tom, but the the, the one wrinkle in all of that is if Alabama beats Georgia in the SEC championship game and Oklahoma State wins out, wins the Big 12 championship, uh, and obviously Notre Dame will be sitting there. I, get, I think it gets a little more complicated for Cincinnati. But if, if Georgia beats Alabama, yeah. I, and as a matter of fact, I, I would probably have Cincinnati at three and uh, Oklahoma State if they win at four. When uh, you have uh, gone through your career, uh, how many times did a new employer uh, overpay by $500,000 for for your home like they did for Lincoln Riley? <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, it, it, is, it is a crazy, crazy time uh, in college football. I think the, the Lincoln Riley thing set off a chain of uh, events uh, with him saying he's not going to be the coach at LSU, and that was the absolute truth. He was not going to be the coach at LSU. LSU, the obvious follow-up question was, are you going to be the head coach at Oklahoma? And uh, that wasn't asked, and now that that was a huge, huge uh, get for USC that they're trying to get back to their glory days. 
and that would seem to be a, a good way to to try and do that because uh, he, uh, I guess, is, is expected to recruit well out there, and uh, it would be good for college football for Southern Cal to get back, wouldn't it? Well, Southern Cal ought to be good. I mean, you, you can you can uh, within a three hour radius of that campus. Uh, there's enough football players to, to play at a very, very high level. The other thing Lincoln Riley brings to the table, he can, he can line up all those quarterbacks he's coached and all those Heisman Trophy winners he's coached and say, don't you, and look, look at the reality. The, the Alabama has a quarterback from California, right? They've had a couple of quarterbacks out there. Uh, Clemson has a quarterback from California, Georgia. And T.J. Daniels has a quarterback from California. They're backup. My, my point is great players have been leaving the state, and there's no reason that USC has uh, has been allowing that to happen, and that's going to that's change under Lincoln Riley. So the Oklahoma job is now open, and Kentucky fans are a little anxious because uh, their guy has been mentioned for yep. that one, along with some other ones. What do you think plays out at Oklahoma with their coach? Well, I, I, they're going to get a good coach because uh, I know the athletic director, Joe Casiglione. Uh, Bob Stoops is pitching in to help out where he can. He's doing recruiting and, and making phone calls. So I think Oklahoma will get it. Very, listen, Oklahoma hadn't had a coaching search since 1999 when they hired Bob Stoops. All right? They transitioned into Lincoln-Riley. Uh, they, they haven't gone in the last 100 years. They've had some guy named Bud Wilkinson was pretty good there. Uh, so they, they've had great, Barry Switzer wasn't bad either. So there's, there's been a, I don't see any reason why Oklahoma won't hire a top flight coach. Who it's going to be is anybody's guess. And I've said this week with, uh, respect to Mark Stoops that Kentucky fans just need to, uh, get as comfortable as they can with the idea of his name being mentioned because with what he's done here and what I think he's going to continue, uh, to do, assuming he stays here, I think he will, um, through this cycle, that uh, his name's going to keep showing up. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the goal. You you want to build your program and have the level of success so that people are looking at your coach. Uh, and and that's, that's a good thing. Now, it's not a good thing if you lose your coach, but the fact of the matter is, is the, it's the success that you want. And let's look at the last five, six years under Coach Stoops. He's done, he's, he and his staff have done a tremendous job. And Kentucky is in a position now because of the league that it plays in to, to be able to uh, hang on to a coach because, you know, sure. you've got all kinds of money. Um, and, you know, with the, the coach here can see, and Stoops, this works for Stoops in particular because of, of the Ohio situation. He's effectively changed his base from just the home state to the home state plus Ohio. So right. he's got a bigger base of, of recruiting than you would typically have at Kentucky. And he's done well enough to get into other places. And, um, then with this transfer portal, it enables you to, you know, to play catch up, and they do a good job of the, the guys they miss out on just keeping uh, good relationships there, so that they may get them back, like a Wandale Robinson. Well, I was going to say that this year is living proof of that with Wandale Robinson, uh, Will Levis, all those people that that, that they, they they were able to reshape their offense. Obviously, bringing in Liam Cohen to run it. Uh, so yeah, it's been the program is getting to where you know tom i can remember you and i having a conversation wondering whether or not kentucky could even get to a bowl game uh you know five or six years ago and now they're 
they're solidly established, and they have literally built that program. Uh, Mark Stoops and Mitch Barnhart and the administration have built that program. Notre Dame's job now open. Uh, first part of the question is, uh, how do you think Brian Kelly will do at LSU? I think Brian Kelly will do well. <laughs> you know, the guys won almost 300 games. Uh, that, that, you know, people forget that. He's been a head coach for 31 years. He's the all-time leader at Notre Dame. And what a lot of people don't remember is that back in 2016, he went 4-6, and six, and there were a lot of people who wanted to get rid of him. <clears throat> and then they completely he completely rededicated himself to rebuilding the program. They made a lot of changes, uh, a lot of different personnel moves and things of that nature. And now he's finishing up his fifth straight 10-win season, still with an outside shot to get to the playoffs. And so uh, he's done a tremendous job there. He's done a great job at LSU. And Notre Dame is the first call to Luke Fickle, you think? Sure, absolutely. And Luke Fickle's a big, a big Ten Midwest guy, and you, you absolutely make that phone call. And, oh, by the way, Notre Dame will get a good coach, too. <laughs> yeah. There's, you look at the attitude, people say, well, there's only about three or four people in the world who can coach football, and we need one of those. Uh, no, there are a lot of great coaches out there. Uh, and the smart ads know who they are and have have them in their a list in their desk, and so I have no doubt that Notre Dame will get a very good coach. Tony, appreciate you jumping on with us. I uh, don't know if we'll uh, catch up before the holidays, so if not, uh, happy holidays to you and your family. Same to you, Tom. Take care. That's Tony Barnhart. It's at Mr. CFB on Twitter, uh, and you can read him uh, through uh, Sports Illustrated SI dot com as well. And uh, nobody's more connected and. Uh, he is a great uh, resource for our program. Glad to have him jump on with us. We're going to take a break and come back and close out this edition of the Lynch Report. This day in Wildcat history, 1974, Kentucky beat Northwestern 97-70. to And the significance is that what is, it was the first game for a highly touted freshman class of Jack Givens, Mike Phillips, James Lee, and Rick Roby that would combine with a a core of seniors to lead Kentucky back to the national championship game, the big upset over Indiana, and then uh, playing UCLA for the national championship after a 13-13 season. Really memorable year for Wildcat fans, and it started on this day in 74. Uh, Congrats to Ali Stumler, SEC Volleyball Player of the Year, and Eleanor Bevan, the uh, Libero of the Year for UK Volleyball. We'll see you tomorrow on the Leach Report. Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leachreport at gmail.com.